Well, it's a great pleasure to welcome you to the 36th meeting of the Rotary year. In fact, our 4,836th meeting of our Rotary Club and our fourth online meeting in our 99-year history. Today, we're broadcasting from various locations with the hope that once again, the technology will be kind as planned. Our guest speakers today make up a reporting panel on Rotary bushfire response. Our club members include President-elect Marion McLeod, who will be our moderator, Jim Orchard, uh, Bob Glinderman, and District Governor-elect of our adjoining district, 9820, Mark Humphreys, with the topic bushfire recovery, Rotary's response to the other tragedy of 2020. Could I ask everyone to uh, nod in, a, in acclamation uh, as we welcome our guest speakers and panel today? Marion, well, we're in your good hands. Marion, by the way, I must mention, uh, is our uh, uh, representative on the District 9800 Bushfire Recovery uh, uh, Response Committee. And uh, Marion has had a number of meetings. I know it's been a very busy uh, involvement to date. Uh, I understand uh, that, uh, that she's having a, another meeting this afternoon. So Marion, thank you for your involvement at that level. And I'll hand the meeting over to you now. Thank you, Kevin. And before we get into the bushfire um, response, I just want to check in with you all about the directory. And I know that we've been going through some very difficult times, and I'm sure that they're going to get harder before they get easier. But along with planning for the world to be a little different after COVID-19, we're also planning for some things to remain the same. One of these is our annual update of the club's directory. So all of our club members should have received an email from Joe asking us to update our details for that directory. Could you please take a moment maybe after the lunch today um, to follow Joe's instructions and to go online and update your information. It shouldn't take very long. If you're having any difficulty, there are also some additional instructions in the email on how you can send your details back to either Joe or Marg Lesser, and I think Marg's on the, um, the hookup today. Um, she's going to update that information for you and make sure that the updated information is both in the online directory and in the hard copy directories that everybody will get. If any of you have any questions, please just ask um, Joe or Marg Lesser. I'm now just going to share my screen. Hopefully this works and hopefully um, we've got it set up appropriately. Um, just so that you can see where you can access the chat room. I don't know, is everybody seeing the screen? Yes? Um, this, is just, this is just one of the, the, the key photographs that came out of the bushfire that seems so long ago, but was actually only a few months ago. Down the bottom of your, of your computers, and if you've got an iPad, it'll be up the top, you'll see this little icon called chat. If you click on that icon and have a question that you want to ask, um, I, I'd, I'd invite Reg to just monitor those um, chat questions. And at the end of our uh, discussion today, um, we'll tap into some of those questions and any other questions that people may have. So I'm just going to introduce our panel for today. Um, 
uh, our presenters are each going to share their stories and they've all been involved in different ways to the bushfire response. First of all, we're going to have Mark Humphreys, who is our district governor-elect for 9820, to tell us about how the district itself is faring. Bob Glinderman from DIK is going to let us know how it's impacted DIK and how the shipment of face masks in particular was dealt with. I'm going to give you a brief update on the district uh, bushfire breakfast and the funds that have been raised so far and the district um, response. Jim Orchard, who has been working very closely with us, is going to give an update on the project that he's been involved with and in supporting District 9800 and helping to de deliver a Melbourne response. And um, we've been guided throughout this in, uh, in all that we do by the principle from the last bushfires, which is around delivering where there's a well-specified need rather than assuming this. And that need has been changing um, a bit over time. So firstly, I'd like to invite Mark Humphreys, District Governor-elect for 9820, to tell us about some of the challenges that they've experienced and how they've been working on the, the bushfire response. That district encompasses Rotary Clubs from the Mornington Peninsula to East Gippsland. So over to you, Mark. Lovely. Thank you, Marion. Um, and, and thank you, uh, President Kevin, for, uh, for this opportunity to, to speak uh, with, with you guys. Um, one, one thing I, I'd just like to start and say, yes, our, our district has certainly been impacted by the fires uh, this year, but a lot of what we do, and good old Victoria, we uh, always seem to have fires somewhere. So a lot of, lot of what I'm going to say today affects us today. Um, we've still got the Western Districts who, who have uh, had, had their time in the, in the fire. We've got the northern part of the state. So every part of Victoria gets touched. Um, so today, yes, we are focusing on, uh, on the East Gippsland area. And just cast your, back, your minds back uh, again a little bit further than the end of last year. Central Gippsland uh, had, had the fires. Um, this year, uh, you know, sort of moved from central uh, more down to, to the eastern part. So, yeah, yes, we have copped it uh, rough in the last uh, 12 months. But just a little bit of more background. Um, East Gippsland, as with other parts uh, of Victoria, have also been suffering the green drought for several, several years. And that has really... Uh, put a lot of stress uh, on our uh, vegetation uh, and our communities and our farmers and that uh, as well. So they were doing it tough to start with and we all know a lot of the drought relief stuff. We've all seen the, the hay uh, drives and that that we've done and getting that down to the communities. And that has been hugely uh, gratefully uh, received and accepted. And as recently as um, yeah, yeah, February, we've had trucks of hay being shipped down to the place. The fires came and you, you've all seen uh, the horrific images uh, that have been broadcast on all the different uh, news medias. Radio, television, newspaper, local papers, uh, Facebook, uh, all of that sort of stuff has really shown the devastation and the, the picture that was on the uh, Marion's uh, desktop is just one uh, of those uh, horrific images uh, that, 
uh, that, that we've seen. Conversely, if you go and do a hunt around, you can actually see how magnificent uh, nature really is because very quickly after the fires, the green shoots uh, started to reappear and there's some photography. I was trying to get some pictures uh, to share with you today, but they haven't come through, of, of just you know, a blackened tree with this lush green shoot coming out of it. So the bush is repairing itself, but we have to look at how we can repair our communities. We, we've, we discovered very, very early on uh, in the fires that this was going to be something out of the ordinary because it was coming down uh, from the north, uh, you know, southern New South Wales, and it was coming down into us and it was ours were moving up and it eventually formed uh, into that massive uh, mega blaze. Uh, Pearl Finlay-Jones, which I know you guys have uh, been dealing with, Rotary Club of Bansdale, the current president, uh, she immediately got on to District Governor Adrian and said, we have to be on the front foot. And so Pearl and Adrian enlisted uh, past District Governor uh, Jan Spears and they immediately formed uh, the emergency uh, relief uh, for uh, the fires in that area. Not just one, one Rotary Club, but four or five of the Rotary Clubs in the East Gippsland uh, area. Just before the fires and everything uh, started last year, my wife and I actually went down to Bruthen, which was very well <laughs> spoken about in, in the press. And we went to hold uh, uh, a pre-pets down there. And we were sitting on the uh, beer garden deck out the back and just looking at how magnificent uh, it was. And recently we saw a picture of where we were sitting and what we were looking at, this beautiful lush green um, area with a river flowing through, blackened. Uh, and that really brought it home to, uh, to Linda and I as to uh, how, how much damage and how quickly it all happened. But we move forward a couple of weeks and next thing you know, as the DGs do, uh, we ended up in San Diego. And we all know when Rotary programs something, the program doesn't change. Well, guess what? At the IA assembly, Rotary actually changed their programming and put a plea across to all the governor-elects that were there and they had a five-minute spot about the fire situation in Australia and urging other governors to come and get in contact with us. And thousands, tens of thousands of dollars uh, were, was poured from the various districts uh, around the world into uh, the fire relief, you know, uh, a lot directly to Bansdale, a lot to uh, the fire relief group uh, in New South Wales and a lot of uh, cash uh, came into, uh, into Rourke's as well. So for, for RI to actually change the programming of event really means that uh, it was hitting home with a lot of people. And then a couple of weeks later, guess what happened? The, the rains came. Uh, 
blackened ground, no undergrowth, what happens with the water? It just runs and sheets and sheets of water just pour and flood across, you know, stuff that people are, are just trying to, to get a handle on. Grey, smoke, ash, silty water just flooding all through the place. But, you know, as, as we do, we just pick ourselves up and we get going again. And the fire relief uh, group that were down there were at the forefront of that every time. Sure, at the beginning, they were just doing sandwiches or getting water out to the people that were there, but they were also collecting data and information of the families that were greatly uh, impacted. Two of the Rotarians um, from the Rotary Club of uh, Orbost uh, lost everything. Um, uh, they they live down in Malakuta uh, and they could, they travel up to Orbost uh, for their Rotary meetings. So, you know, it really touched home uh, with us. And then all through that time, what's lurking around in the background? We're all hearing at the beginning of January, February, this thing called COVID-19. And all of a sudden, bang, uh, that's come and hit uh, the entire country this time. And when you hear people from Malakuta, uh, Bruthen, you know, the East Gippsland area saying, what have we done wrong? You've really got to start to wonder, wow, you know, they're hurting. They're country people, and we all know country people can be pretty uh, tough on the outside. Uh, but really, underneath, they are just human people like us and they are really, really struggling. So the, the, the fire relief group doesn't find itself just looking after fire and fire recovery. You know, all, all the clubs around Australia, and I know Rotary Club of Melbourne particularly, have been a huge supporter uh, of, of that committee, uh, pouring lots of, of money and donations, containers and all those sorts of things down there. Uh, and that is greatly appreciated. The committee is looking at, well, we're now trying to help people after the, the rains. We're now trying to help co uh, communities with what we can and when we can uh, in, their, in the lockdown period. They're still doing stuff, uh, but that's all very limited uh, at the moment. So, yeah, Rotary isn't the first responder. Uh, as much as we'd like to think uh, we are and we should get all the kudos. But Rotary, we are people that make the difference. We're the people that are going to go in there once this recovery is really up uh, and going. Rotary is going to be there for the long haul. A lot of the first responders are going to get there, get the work done, get the communities back up and running, and then it's over to us because we're the people... Uh, that change people's lives. We, we are the people, you know, our, our little mottos, our themes uh, for each year say it all. Um, you know, and at the moment, Rotary Connects, wow, boy, are we connecting. And I, I think I've got a pretty good theme for, for next year. Rotary opens opportunities. I challenge you not to find an opportunity in one of our disaster-stricken uh, areas uh, and let's just continue the great work that we're doing uh, in changing people's uh, lives. That is just a very high overview of, of what 
uh, East Gippsland uh, is currently in. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much for that, Mark. We, we certainly feel for our colleagues in District 9820 and that update really puts into, into stark relief the, the challenges that they're faced with. Um, I'd now like to invite past President Bob Glinderman to give us an update on the challenges that he's experienced at DIK and the work that he and his team have done so far to support some of the bushfire affected areas. So over to you, Bob. Thanks, Marion. It's been very interesting to listen to Mark and understand what uh, challenges they have faced down in Gippsland. And in mid-January, when Reg received that uh, faithful phone call from the Rotary Club of uh, Santa Barbara and talked about masks, uh, that really was quite a surprise. And then the Rotary organisation swung into action. In mid-January, January, we received 25 pallets, that's 80-odd thousand N95 masks, from disaster relief uh, for distribution into the fire areas, to the fire brigade, to the various peoples down there that needed them. These pallets were distributed far and wide by DHL as part of the arrangement with disaster relief. Ten days later, a further 25 pallets arrived at donations in kind and another 25 directly into Sydney. So that was 75 pallets, some 250,000 masks that were to be distributed into the fire areas. All of the work done by DHL from um, the Donations in Kind store and from a depot in Sydney was arranged by uh, Disaster Relief and the Rotary Club as part of their contribution. So it was pretty significant. Those pallets were spread far and wide into the, uh, into the fire area. Uh, uh, so all in all, some 200,000 masks were dispatched. Now, a small stock remains at DIK and they're being held at disaster relief specific requests pending uh, issue into the medical areas where there is clearly a developing need for them. These N95 masks are the things that have been in short supply but that's all being coordinated by disaster relief with the Department of Health and Human Services. We know that there are some boxes still floating around the countryside. And one of the things that we'd like to know is where they are. Um, it's quite possible that they'll stay where they are and be issued to some medical organisations in those locations. But if they're not going to be issued and not used effectively, we'd obviously like them back uh, so that they can then be issued where they're most necessary. So that's one of the things that we've done as far as the masks are concerned. And we get inundated at DIK with requests for them all the time. It's very hard to say no constantly, but we are. But we are. Now, in addition to uh, the masks, there's a variety of other things that have been emerging out of DIK. Uh, we've got a number of pallets of hardware items from a hardware store that was closed. You know, I don't think anybody is surprised at the things that turn up at DIK unannounced. But uh, these pallets of hardware materials were from a hardware store and they'll all be used somewhere in the rebuilding process and will all be available to move down into that fire area. Similarly, we have a pallet of nails. Uh, pallet is a code for lots. Uh, also from another hardware organisation who changed their supplier of nails couldn't get rid of the ones they had, so they gave them to us. I think they'll find their way down into Gippsland as well. 
We've got cartons of tools that have been gathered over the past couple of months from projects that uh, had started to gather them. The projects fell through and they're still at donations in kind. And we've been talking with the folk down in uh, 9820 with uh, past district governors Jan and Charlie Spears from Terralgan, together with other Rotarians down there, to organise vehicle to collect and take these back to the designated spot for sorting and collecting, uh, sorting and allocation. Uh, bed linen. We've got quite a bit of brand new boxed and sorted in the store. Uh, it'd be very easy for us to send this straight out into the fire areas, but I think in the conversations that I've had with Jan and Charlie, uh, it needs to be appropriately managed and not just spread to the four winds so that we make sure it gets to the people that really need it uh, rather than just simply uh, handed out. And I think as Mark would attest, immediately after the fire, they had more used clothing than they could possibly manage uh, and we don't want to see this ending up in that same situation. So that'll be handed specifically by the Rotarians down in that area. We've also got a fairly significant supply, I think it was 11 pallets, uh, came over from uh, South Australia of laundered linen from two of the WA mining camps we've had previously, that too is able to be utilised and that can be uh, handed out in much the same way. Now, the Donations in Kind store, because of all of the current restrictions, is closed. So we'll have to put in place specific arrangements to uh, open the store, make sure there's a forklift driver there to uh, load the pallets and so forth when these things need to be distributed. And we'll continue to liaise with the uh, group down in uh, 9820 to put that into effect. So it's a busy time at DIK even though we're closed. The emails continue, the phone calls continue and uh, the offers continue to flow in. Thanks, Marion. Well, thank you for that, Bob. Um, they, the sort of continuous work that DIK does is both extraordinary and one of the best examples of Rotary in action. I'd now like to give um, the group a, a quick update on the District 9800 Bushfire Committee and the response to the bushfires that it's undertaken. So very quickly after the bushfire tragedy itself um, unfolded, DJ Grant Hocking and DG um, Philip Archer pulled together a district coordinating committee, which consisted of both Grant and Philip, along with Sue Foley, Jim Studebaker, Reese Maggs and myself. In the earlier uh, Black Saturday uh, bushfire, Jim Studebaker had actually been the DG at the time on a committee with Philip Archer and also with Rhys Maggs, who had been the CEO of SES. And he had been chair of the committee, um, a chair of the committee at the time, sorry, was Mev Connell, who also played a very significant part and has continued to give uh, enormous input into this committee as we've um, drawn on his expertise. So together, this committee planned, first of all, the bushfire breakfast. Um, that was with the enormous support of a number of other clubs, including Lily Tickman, Fabienne Nicholas, Andy Fulcher, and Liam Jones. The breakfast was held at um, the Hyatt at Essendon, and a number of us attended that. And it was staged with a keynote speaker being the Emergency Services Commissioner, Andrew Crisp. And he shared a number of slides which I'd like to share with you now because I think in these slides you can see in a, in, in a snapshot what happened during the bushfire. 
So you can see that um, when the bushfire hit, they were preceded by the lowest rainfall on record in Australia. The highest temperature on record for Australia, which was two centigrade above the average, and it was above normal fire potential for most of the eastern, uh, eastern Australia. Andrew oversaw all of this, and he had quite a dynamic slide, which I didn't choose to share today, that shows how quickly the bushfire spread um, throughout the state. And it was the first time in history that temperatures reached 49 degrees at Malakuta on the 30th of December, 2019. So as we were all preparing for our New Year's festivities, they were hitting the highest temperatures ever. And I'll share the next slide with you, which just, oh, I have got this. Sorry, I, I didn't think I had this slide. Um, this quickly shows you, no, it's not going to work for me. Um, this is where uh, the bushfires ended up having an impact. And his presentation was both excellent and insightful, recognizing the long-term impact that these traumas cause from his earlier experience with earlier bushfires, especially the mental health issues, which we've been focusing on quite a bit in our club, and the need to engage with the community closely to understand their actual needs rather than assuming what these needs are. And as a result of that, that uh, the committee has taken it slowly in, think, in working through what the actual needs of the community nearby um, have. So Andrew shared many of the learnings from the earlier bush, bush uh, fires, along with the experiences of Mev Connell, Jim Studebaker and Reese Maggs, um, taking into account that longer term view. Uh, the event did have a lighter moment. We had Sue Foley and Andrew Watts do a bit of a Celtic um, uh, sing-along. Uh, but the fundraising was supported by a number of other sponsors as well, including the Bendigo Bank, who was our platform for receiving all of the funds. And we raised 680000 out of that, along with another 400000 that have been um, offered by CUB publicans. Um, the donations also came from some individual companies, and a number of those, I think, ended up with Bob Glinderman, including um, pallets of Nescafe, I think, and a number of products from Wink that included sanitizers and face masks. After the fundraising event, the committee then started to work on behalf of the affected areas, and key amongst uh, the need in most of the, these areas were containers. Jim and Reese have been overseeing the delivery of containers to affected areas, and these are so that people can protect their, their um, valuable uh, belongings. They're not meant to be lived in. To date, we've um, provided 42 containers. 34 of those have gone to Gippsland and eight to the Hume area, and there are another um, seven that have been allocated there. Um, Swire Group have also come to the party with a, 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 a number of uh, cheaper containers. And uh, as I said, they're to provide the security for people in these areas not uh, meant to be lived in. Some of the other plans to engage with the Rotary cl cl uh, Clubs and deliver hands-on support has been affected by the COVID-19, obviously. Uh, the measures of social distancing have meant that we need to be very careful about how we, um, how we support them. Um, and whilst the, the COVID-19 has taken much of our uh, collective attention in recent weeks, our com committee has continued uh, to work to ensure that victims of both the drought and the bushfires are not forgotten. Uh, in fact, many are doubly hard hit because they're affected not only by the, the, the bushfires and, as, as Mark said, the floods thereafter, but also the, the pandemic. Um, and separately, our club has been looking for a suitable project 
to work with the district on. Um, and one of those has been the relocation of caravans. So these areas are heading into winter now and they need some, some uh, help with shelter. So Philip Archer has organised some, some caravans and Jim Orchard has been taking the lead on this project on behalf of Melbourne. And although it's taken a few twists and turns, um, he's been very focused on what the communities need and has had a lot of conversations with those communities. And he's made some changes as a result of the COVID-19. So I'd now like to um, hand over to um, Jim Orchard to give us a little bit more of an understanding of the, the project that Melbourne has, has been working on. And I'll stop sharing my slides. Jim? Oh, there you go. Okay, just un unmute myself. Um, thank you, Marion. Uh, so my main focus over the last uh, month or so, I guess, is based around 14 caravans that Peter Davis's brother, Ken, has offered as potential replacement housing for bushfire victims. So I think uh, first item on uh, my little section of the presentation is to thank uh, Peter and especially Ken for the very kind and generous donation. The second point uh, is to emphasise uh, what's been said before, that we're working with local Rotary people in bushfire-impacted uh, uh, areas who are identifying specific individuals who need these caravans. So uh, you've heard Pearl Finlay-James' name a couple of times, so she has lots of Rotary people talking to, them, talking to her, one of whom is me. So she has identified... Uh, two individuals that uh, are, are suitable candidates for caravans, um, one at Can River and one in a small community that's uh, just outside of uh, Bansdale. So the vans we have available to us have been used for on-site uh, accommodation and they're not currently able to be taken onto the open road. So the, the, the issue then for us is really a sort of transportation issue. So there's really two broad options. I'm certainly happy if people have got some other ideas to, to float in, but I guess what we're looking at is either to arrange trucking to get them there, um, and that would uh, get them there uh, in probably lots of three and four. It requires a, a crane or a forklift or something at both the uh, sort of loading end and at the unloading end, which makes it a little bit, uh, or adds some complexity to that particular option. And the other way we can go, uh, which we're sort of leaning towards, uh, is to spend uh, money to do some remedial work to make the vans sort of roadworthy so they can be uh, towed by volunteers, particularly once we get outside the sort of corona social distancing world, we can find uh, volunteers willing to tow them up to Bansdale and take them to their final sort of destination. So as I said, we're leaning towards that second option at the moment. Uh, even though one could end up with a sort of hybrid of, of, uh, of the two approaches. So certainly for those first two caravans, we're looking at uh, spending a, a few dollars to make them roadworthy, uh, which is around tyres and a bit around brakes and, and, some, uh, and, and also to have a gas fitter look at the uh, cooking facilities that are inside them, inside the caravans, it is. Um, I guess one of the, the uh, pieces of logic that uh, leads us to go in that direction is that if we donate something that's not able to be uh, taken on the road, potentially it creates a, a challenge for the, for the recipient down the track if they, they can't move it or donate it on to somebody else 
So I think having it being sort of roadworthy and, and able to go on the road without any great drama, obviously with the right vehicle and people with experience, I think that's a, a better way to go. Um, I've been working with uh, one of uh, Bob and myself's uh, regular uh, colleagues at DIK, who's uh, he's an experienced caravaner. So he's, uh, he's been very helpful with me and also been in contact several times with uh, Ken Davis. So between the three of us, we have a plan. But if there are experienced uh, caravan folks sort of online or you know somebody, uh, certainly happy to, now that I have a, a plan, to sort of run that by people just to make sure it makes sense. I certainly don't want to have a fatal flaw in what we're uh, thinking about doing. So in an ideal world, uh, what we'd be doing now would be going down to Mornington, which is where the caravans are, um, and doing a bit of site inspection and someone could explain to me all the things that need to be done. This is not really my field of expertise, but at the moment with the corona lockdowns, etc., we're doing the best we can over the phone and looking at, at photographs and what have you. So it's been a bit uh, bit clunky, but you've got to do what you can do in the, in the current um, situation. So I've, I've mentioned money a few times, either to transport by uh, trailer or to fix up the caravans. I mean, not for an individual caravan, it's not a huge amount of money. Um, so what we're going to do is tap into some of the money that uh, has been raised at the district level. So that's, I guess, in broad terms, the money that uh, Marion mentioned uh, a little bit earlier. So I will be on a call, I guess, with Marion this afternoon, in perhaps an hour's time, um, to talk with the district bushfire coordination team. We have uh, we have uh, submitted a, an application for some funding under that. Uh, uh, with that group. So once that's, those funds are approved, we'll, we'll be uh, getting the remediation done on two of the vans so they're ready to, to roll as we move forward. Um, another thing that, you know, whilst we're, we've got the, the, the group together here is that I certainly understand in the current climate, it's, it's not appropriate to ask for volunteers to try and drive across the, uh, the state and risk getting a, a fine. But if people are uh, have got the right vehicle and are interested in in, at the appropriate time, uh, towing a caravan to, to Bansdale or somewhere somewhere sort of close to that. If they could shoot me an email, I'll uh, I'll, I'll certainly get back to them and I'll, I'd like to get a list of people who are, at least in theory, uh, potentially able to do that. Uh, one other activity I was exploring before we sort of got locked down uh, was volunteering for Blaze Aid. Uh, I know that uh, the Rotary Club of, I think it was Camberwell, uh, did a... A group of them went and did a, a weekend, long weekend perhaps, with the Blaze Aid group. Um, but for those not familiar with uh, Blaze Aid, they are, and I'm quoting here from their website, a volunteer-based organisation uh, that works in rural Australia after natural disasters such as fires and floods. Um, that's not me. Um, working alongside rural families, volunteers help to rebuild fences and other structures that have been damaged or destroyed. So it's very much a sort of hands-on um, um, type of work. And it's done in, in sort of camps. So they set up a, a group of people and they'll, they'll work, uh, you know, I guess some long days. I, I'm, I'm still keen to explore that sort of on behalf of the club, whether we do it as a club activity or in conjunction with another club. But uh, it's, it's, it's Blaze Aid had have locked down their activities uh, given the, uh, the corona situation, but I'm sure they will open up again and I'll explore to see whether that's something that uh, might be appropriate for the club to get in, involved in. So uh, that's all from me, Marianne. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jim, Bob and Mark. And we're going to 
to, to go to Mark for some final comments. But before we do, if anybody does have a question, if you could just raise your hand, I'll get to you um, to, to pose that question. Uh, Reg will share with us a question from Robert Fisher, which I think is probably um, targeted directly at Mark, so that will be ideal. And Jim, we've already got some people online who are able to to help you, including from Bev Brock, who suggests that she might be able to get some tires supplied from Bridgestone if you can give her the right sizes. So there's quite a lot of support coming in for your activities, Jim, on the chat room. We'll record that and make sure that you get it if we don't get to each of the items on there. But over to you, Mark, just to summarize um, uh, the, the efforts that are going into supporting bushfire areas. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Marion. Um, from a personal level, um, I just cannot uh, thank you guys enough. Uh, not not just you, but but Rotary in general. We are doing an amazing job. As I said earlier, we're not the first responders, but we are the people that are there for the long haul. And one of the things that um, has concerned me a little bit is I've heard a few. Uh, clubs around uh, that are saying, oh, well, we're not going to give as much money to foundation this year because we're going to give all the money uh, to the fire relief and, and, the, and the drought uh, relief funds and stuff. And I'm trying to change that actual attitude because in two and three and four years' time, when the recovery is well underway, Communities have their parks uh, are being rejuvenated. Schools are getting their uh, facilities back in order. Clubs are going to want us to be helping them with district grants and things. So I, I'm not looking at what we're doing today. I'm really trying to encourage clubs to keep up that giving to foundation, increase that giving to foundation, because in two, three, four, five years' time, you're all going to be coming uh, to your, your leaders and saying, we want to do something in this community because a lot of the work that we've done has been burnt to the ground. So now somehow we have to replace that. So again, just you know, bear in mind, we're there for the long haul. So on all of that, thank you very much for your support. It is greatly appreciated. 